All right. Welcome, gentlemen. We have got on the Simcast episode 23 of Light and Darkness. We have uh, Urash and Harold Daedalus. Welcome, Daedalus. Hello. And uh, once back, gracing us with this dark and ominous present presence, we have <laughs> BCG, your Lord of Salt. Welcome. Oh. Hey, how's it going? Hey, man. It's been a while since I've had you both on. Uh, well, Daedalus, not so much you, but BCG for sure. And uh, you'll notice today, we've, instead of uh, having their little nameplates as usual, I've started using icons for everybody. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. kind of gets to show off your brand and kind of some of the elements that we all use individually for our content. Um, so before we dig into talking about the today's episode specifically, talking about light or dark, what roles do you choose? Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit, and we could talk about this briefly, but I, I had some things to talk about as far as Alpha 1 testing went. Again, we can talk about it. We can't share visuals on it, so you won't get to see anything. Sorry, not happening. But we can talk about it. Um, but I guess I, before I give my thoughts, I just wanted to get you know Daedalus, and we'll go Daedalus and then BCG. Uh, what are some of your thoughts so far having played in it, uh, You know, whether it be last weekend up to now or even just in this last weekend's testing that you felt was um you know something that was compelling something that people could be excited about i mean i think this is probably some of the more non-sexy stuff that they're doing but i think it's really important just to see the momentum the team has got in terms of improvements i mean just even in a matter of a week the team has really kind of improved on the client a lot more stability i mean it's just damn fun going in there um just the stories even if you're listening in and you're not in an actual match like i was you know waiting for one and listening to gildy's coming in there just their reactions i think were really satisfying even though i wasn't necessarily in a match um i would say too one of the things that i really liked about it is the communication from the development team was good throughout the test so as people were having issues, they were talking it through with them. They were having them try different things. You know, all the devs were involved. You heard from Steven, from Jeff, from Peter. Yeah. Um, they were all kind of, you know, in there. Um, and I think it was really cool of Steven as well to open it up. I think he, even outside of the official test, people could go in, download the client ahead of the next test. And also they left it open for several hours yesterday too. So it was nice to know that they're at a point where they're confident to kind of bring in not only a ton of testers. Um, and I think there's another big wave happening next week if the news is kind of up to date um, and it they is, continue yeah. to kind of make, you know, strides forward there, not only from the mm -hmm. things that you kind of expect like stability, performance, et cetera, but also even just in things that you're like, oh, wow, the UI is a little different now. And, you know, things are improved even from, you know, day one after, you know, the next day when you were doing testing. So it's clear that they're nose to the grindstone right now. About you, BCG? Well, I did not get in. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, but, so, um, yeah, I did not get an invite for the stress test, um, which, you know, eh, mm -hmm. I'm not too stressed out about it because I know there's a lot of people in there that actually do a lot of really good testing, but my, one of my brothers um, actually got in and I got to play one match. So, um, all I got to say is at this point, because like I said, it's just, just one match, it felt really fun. It felt not like a normal testing environment which on one side i'm like yay this is fun you know just from, just from one match so this is not like my full opinion right. this one match so it just it, it's fun um it doesn't feel like a normal testing environment um it feels fluid it feels reactive which i really enjoyed um yeah um i just hope that they can get as much data out of this before they until they have to turn it off Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I actually agree too. it's uh, with, with what BCG said. It's it's definitely doesn't it's not what I'm used to. Yeah, with an alpha <laughs> with an alpha testing environment. Uh, if I'm going to be honest, like there don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not saying that it doesn't have problems. It has problems. 
and that's the way an alpha test environment should be. But I, I've tested a lot of games, and I've got to say that that the it's way better held together than I would really have thought it would have been by now. To be to be quite honest, um, the other thing I wanted to say about it was, you know, there's like I think I don't know. I could be wrong. This is completely pure speculation or theory or you know whatever you want to call it. But I have a you know at part of my concern about it was that it was like well i want to play an mmo and that's like my first day i stepped in to try this testing environment now since alpha one has been i want to play the mmo version like i want to play maybe something like a traditional battleground or things like that but not a br and so that was like my concern about it in the beginning then i kind of thought about it, i'm like well if their real main task that they're recognizing is the, that they have to tackle is to find a way to really synergize the potential for tab targeting and action combat and being able to evolve your own play style to fit, you know, either way or a combination of both. If you want to, like I get the importance of having a lot of really focused action testing. And I think the BR approach is definitely the way to go. The other thing I've wondered, cause I thought, well, why don't we just get the four archetypes and let us go ham with that? And I'm and I'm wondering, I think that it's a twofold thing, and this is just speculation. I think it's a twofold thing. I think A, they're using this as a way to test the system for another game that they have in development that will run separately from Ashes. They've already mentioned this mode of Ashes will exist. Um so so hmm. you mean do you mean or are you afraid they're gonna pull a Fortnite? No meaning start start with one game, yeah. then bring in a battle royale game, and then the battle royale takes over. Nah, I don't. That's what I don't, my worry is. A little I, bit. I can see. I, I can see. Actually, I can. I can see where you're coming from, and I can see that concern, and that is part of a concern I have. Um, you know, I'm kind of wondering how they're gonna. This is. I feel like we're about to take us. We're gonna take a little. We're gonna trail off for a bit here, because this is a good point, BCG. Uh, yes, that would worry me. I don't. I would. I would actually not like to see their franchise as a whole go down the esports route and that's what that would concern that would concern me but with that being said they've already said this is going to be another version of the game that will exist after launch right if they, when did they say that? that was did uh they? yeah it was At like packs packs yeah which one uh packs west just recently yeah the mode that we're seeing now is going to if i'm not correct day list if i'm not right incorrect here but this is the mode that they're talking about yeah, I said the mode will exist after launch as kind of a separate game mode from the main game. Yeah, I think it's I just like that. I I don't know I, how I feel I about it. That. I'm torn on it right now. Uh, I think I think it's going to depend on what they do with it, like well, long term. If they if they bring it out, I don't know, like a year or two years after the full release, I'm fine with it. I yeah. mean, as Leo, like you said, as long as they're not devoting resources to it, taking yeah. away from the main yes, game, yeah, right. I'm okay with. But, but Me even, too. even 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 after release, even you know, just after release, it should not be like within a couple of months. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I want I want to see the MMORPG be the primary and yes, heavily focused. Out. Like I can see if this is, and they said it'll exist, so I'm like that could mean a lot of things, right? That could mean that. This could be one of the games that's going to be on their list of games that they said will be revolving around the Ashes universe. I don't think that would be a far stretch. Like, what's that going to look like long term? I don't know. I'm rocking the Ashes shirt today. I know, right? Totally just, <laughs> totally just forgot to like say, oh, look what I've got on. I forgot about that. Nice, dude. What's up, man? Yeah, I actually got myself a shirt this week. I, I want to get that one to, next. I had to get that shipped to Europe. <laughs> oh just, just want to say that, that oh cost money. oh man it had to be expensive dude god <clears throat> but you got it now oh feels bad i feel a little bad um so you know i could see this being if this mode exists because it's their way of testing and using it to help balance the action combat in game that's another positive i would be concerned if this got really m too much attention and by too much attention I'd say more than 10% of the attention of the MMO 
of the game. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I agree. Yeah. If, if, if this battle mode, if this battle royale thing becomes a priority before 2021, Mm-hmm. Because an M- an MMORPG also needs um, resources and full attention after its release, mm-hmm. because within the first year you know if the game is gonna be good or bad. Right, right. So you know, if they say, "Oh yeah, we're gonna release a battle royale game within the next two years," and be like, "Are you freaking serious? Are you kidding me?" Mm-hmm. I remember, like, if you look at any major MMORPG, and I'm gonna take, who we're gonna take? Let's take Wildstar as an example. Um, within the first year, everybody knew, yeah, this is going to flop. Yeah. So, you know, having a good solid launch is one thing, but then surviving the first year and then afterwards keeping people tied to your game um, is, is, is something completely different. Especially, I know everybody right now is like, oh, yeah, we have to make a Battle Royale game. Everybody needs to play a Battle Royale game. No, we don't. That's where the money is. And I get that. I get that. <laughs> But, um, no, I get that everybody wants to make one. What I don't, what I'm not going to get, and this is where I'm going to lose my shit, and this is where I'm going to get really (laughs) pissed, is if, um, you know, we all got here because of the genre MMORPG, not the genre Battle Royale game. So if this is, even if, you know, I I can see, you know, World of Warcraft started out with Warcraft, and World of Warcraft, and at some point, they had Hearthstone and, and Heroes of the Storm. I'm fine with that. But establish one game first. Establish your brand within that one game. And then after two or three years, then maybe. Mm-hmm. If you want to keep your fans happy, if you want to keep your community happy, if you have the resources to do it at the same time, which I highly doubt, do it. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, at the end of the day, if this game doesn't have a community around it, in the sense of people interested, mm-hmm. it's going to be very difficult to be successful in that first year and beyond, right? So you definitely yeah. have to, you know, give people what they signed up for the Kickstarter yeah. for. Otherwise, in my opinion, you're going to fail. Um, and I don't, I mean, at this point, I do have concerns with the Battle Royale mode being first out of the gate, but I understand why. And yeah. like to Sim's point, if they're using it as a vehicle to get data on action combat so they can really lock that in, great. But I don't want to see it or hear about it until we're kind of, like you said, BCG well into the uh, MMO part of it. And that's fully fleshed out. That's got you know 110% of the team's attention because that's what brought me to the table and i'm expecting what brought a lot of people to the table in the kickstarter what you signed up for yeah that's what you signed up for and so like the other thing i yeah i i I am dead on with this like i mean this is my main complaint right now about it is please 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 let this be to gather information don't give it a lot of weight if you and 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 to, to touch on what bcg said so that first year or i'm even going to say i'm going to say year to two years is a really good window and i think that that's a that is a, a new game especially mmorpg that is its time for maturation that is when it gets to evolve and grow and stabilize and resolve issues like to involve more things in game like you know just those things that continue to bring like seasonal events uh just you know patches Things that allow the content to grow so you're not stuck and plateauing. And then you've got all this other thing that continues to have a cyclical uh, kind of um, a cyclical uh, way of existing to where it does. It's always ever changing because it's a BR. And, And then it's like, well, this is where we find our change. It's not what I signed up for. I signed up for a damn MMORPG. I want to play an MMORPG. Don't let this be the focus of something to the side of it i'm and i'm cool with there being like an ashes launcher or something or an intrepid launcher that encompasses down the road ashes of creation the primary game the mmorpg like world of warcraft is right and then having a couple games that supplement that universe supplement the universe i think supplementing it's important as opposed to pairing or even overtaking it Uh, The other thing I was going to say about testing to kind of wind down on this whole topic so we get into our main topic today is I think, and I'm not sure, but I think I have an 
idea why maybe we're seeing that they're doing it this way. And I'm not positive, but this is how I'm trying to rationalize it as a possibility. I'm thinking if we had a battleground like uh, WoW, for example, where it's like, you know, you have a Rathi Basin and stuff like that. You just had this 10 versus 10 or some crap or 20 versus 20 battleground thing. And we picked our archetypes. I don't think that some of the archetypes would get as much love as others. And so therefore that maybe they wouldn't collect as much data on them, such as a tank. Who's going to take a damn tank into the freaking into PVP versus like a ranger or a mage or something that could just blow shit up, right? Right. I, that's yeah. honestly, honestly, <laughs> this is just because I, I I work in marketing and I used to work in in public relations and stuff. Um, so like you know I used to write press reports all this sort of things. This is how I think the conversation went. <laughs> Jeff came up to Steven and said, like, "Hey Steven, Steven, we need to test. We need to test. Listen, we need to test the action combat. We need to test it somehow. Just action combat. And then and then then." Um, even goes like, hmm, okay, how are we gonna do that? And then they brainstorm, and then they they watch Twitch, and then they realize, hmm, there are so many battle royale games. Let's make an Ashes of Creation battle royale game and test the action combat. This is good for press. This gets people into the game. Let's get, you know, even on a Twitch side because at some point the NDA is gonna drop for the content creators. And, you know, the little kids are going to be like, oh, look, it's another <laughs> Battle Royale game. I need to watch this. Can I have a Battle Pass? Oh, can oh, can I buy skins for this game? And, you know, it's... I think it's a smart marketing move to have a Battle Royale game, and I just hope that's it. I hope there's no already future planning for development of a Battle Royale game, full Battle Royale game for Ashes. I hope that's, like, two to three years in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think along those lines, too, we talked with the team after the panel, and it was kind of along those lines of, like, we've built something. It's functional. It gives us an ability to get data. Instead of investing any more and kind of proceeding further and maybe going down the wrong path, right, they have a way to collect data right away, mm -hmm. right? Again, I mean, I'm, I like that aspect of it. I like the fact that it's out there for people to understand. My concern is the perception that Ashes mm -hmm. of Creation is a battle royale game. And I think that was Steven and Jeff's concern too, that people are going to think this is all that Ashes is. Right. And so maybe that's why they're being a little more tight-lipped in terms of an NDA really early on, in addition mm -hmm. to the fact that it's a true alpha. Right. Um, but uh, but definitely, you know, I I think it was super smart to just to get people testing it, making it class agnostic, because then you can get more broad ranges. It's almost a random sampling. I pick up something, now right. I've got kind of a ability or a mage ability, yes. right? It gives me that flexibility without necessarily having people make any real choices in the game other than strategically and how they would use the skills once they acquired them. Yeah, I think that was a, that was the thing I was going for too. Is was saying with them doing it this way and not having the archetypes, you've just got this base character that picks mm -hmm. up essentially picks up abilities, and so they're really just testing the abilities on this. Like, you know, I, but I'm hoping it is like random sampling sort of thing. So, uh, but yeah, I agree. I agree with both of you. I think that this is definitely something that I, I feel like it's important to be critical about because of what we signed up for. And so it's something that I'm definitely not going to keep like allow to, you know, not be on my radar for me personally in discussions going forward. With that being said, and in in talking about Alpha One so far, I, I am pleased and very happy with the improvements they make. My main my main probably um, compliment to the studio right now is the fact that they are very communicative and they from one week to the next or day even to the next. They take the data, they take what they've heard, what they've learned, and they've really gone to work on those things. They don't seem quick to, and this is what I hope is a trend, and if it's not a trend, then here I hope it's something they make a trend. Focus on the fundamentals, cons, you know, concerns, make sure that stuff's squared away before you go adding cool, new, snazzy things. Um, anyway, so of light and darkness <laughs> we have a dark lord on the show today okay wait wait 
when did it come a thing that I am a dark lord? When did the Lord of Salt become a dark lord? When did that happen? Because I did not get that memo. No, you did. did. What about the warlock on your podcast, man? So what? So what? (laughs) Dark lord, man. Dark lord. (laughs) Just because I like to play warlocks does not mean you're a dark lord. Just want to clarify that. Are you disputing that you have dark intentions in games? No, I'm not. I'm just saying. I did not get that memo. (laughs) I just did not get that memo. I like how he's like, look, there's no memo, but I'm not saying it. this isn't the case. <laughs> like, I'm not confirming or denying this at this point. <laughs> my saltines uh, will not rain from the sky upon your light-wielding powers. <laughs> that was a bad idea to pick that name. It was a really bad idea. <laughs> It's okay. It'll 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 pass. I mean, no, maybe. I hope it doesn't. Honestly, I hope it doesn't. I kind of I'm kind of <laughs> digging it now. It's not bad, man. I mean, it's kind of cool. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, so uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and let you all give your give your 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 thoughts about this first, and we'll start Dayless and again, <laughs> the Lord of Salt. Um, after that, what? So yeah, go on ahead. Right. No, man, go you're ahead. good. You're good. Uh, so why, which do you choose and why? I know we already know the answer to which probably, but the why is important. So Dayless. Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, definitely the light. I mean, I've been playing a paladin um, in World of Warcraft for over a decade. I tend to try to choose good light <laughs> characters or light aligned characters just because that's kind of my personality really is more like I want to seek out goodness in the world and I want to be able to protect others. So I generally go for those. So um, I would say the light is definitely me. BCG, you okay? You look like you're going to hurl, man. <laughs> <laughs> so about that Lord of Darkness thing. Okay, 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 it's okay, it's my turn. So um, um, Lord of Darkness, um, I actually prefer, if I get a choice... <laughs> I actually prefer to be more of the renegade type cool. than the absolute bad guy. For example, like, you know, if, if some if some guy, I don't know, steals money, you know, the paladins or the, the, the good guys, you know, they, they do this. You know. And and what I do, what I like to do in that case is instead of doing this, I burn down his house. Right. You no, know, I, oh I like you know. I don't like to, I don't like the the the, the 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 extreme. You know, be really really good or be really really evil. I like to be more the the the. How do I best describe it? Vigilante. Yeah, no, not vigilantes because vigilantes are just the guy people that do good, but you know they don't. Um, for example. There are two types of evil, all right? And I'm the necessary one. Oh, but you are evil, you say. Oh, no, you said the necessary I, one? Yeah, the necessary one. There's always that. There always needs to be necessary evil because truth is, you know, if you're just good, you know, that doesn't get you far. Sometimes you have to make the hard choices. Sometimes you have to be the asshole. Oh, my I'm God. The, you're freaking Thanos, man. That's what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I am freaking Thanos. I do this all the time and this. Touch out real smooth. Holy shit, that's concerning. Why is that concerning? <laughs> yes. You are, you are not getting the glove, man. We gotta. Oh, no, no. We see already a talk. We, see, we already know how beta's gonna end. We already know how beta's gonna end. We're gonna get a glove. Turn everybody into salt. Everybody's gonna turn into salt. Into salt, a pile of freaking salt. Just salt piles everywhere, huh? Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be the salt apocalypse. Mm, tasty. <laughs> so, no, but yeah, but yeah, I don't like to do. I don't like to do the extreme. I don't like to be all good or all evil. I like to be in the middle. Yeah. Mostly to more, more to the dark side. To the yeah. But yeah. So. Yeah, I, I okay. So I guess for me, I, I obviously my theme is the uh, you know the lights righteous crusader. Um, I I don't I don't want to say I it's an absolute role. Like I do te- typically tend to, uh, you know, definitely walk the path of the light, the good, and everything. Uh, try to it's all about justice and 
you know, fairness and equality, right? Which means sometimes the salt teens get a break here and there. Sometimes you got to let the Lord of Salt's cult followers, you know, get a pass because maybe they deserve a second chance until they grow into freaking Thanos. But then you got to snuff them out. So that's kind of the that's kind of the that's kind of the the way I go. But so <laughs> so in games you see the 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 conceptualization and the portrayal and and from a lore standpoint i i freaking love the idea of light and dark because it it's it's a really great take and a way to tell the story of the things we experience like here in the, in our own world and i feel like that that's something at least for me when it comes to being a light bringer i think if i'm going to be really honest about it like in the world we live in, in the here and now, it's really hard to elicit change if you are not in a in a position of like pretty extreme power, and and in a game you can to some degree be a be a catalyst for some substantial change if you want to be, and so there's that component of it, but then there's just the all out fact that I have a freaking I love stories, especially really evolved stories that really work with like you hear here in like you know persian mythology you, you go back into all the mythological stories from our time and history and there's this awesome stories of like good versus evil light versus darkness and that entire that entire conceptualization of it and way the story plays out for me is just fascinating it, you find i'm drawn to it in in movies in games and it can't just be you're the bad guy and I'm the good guy. And so I picked the good guy kind of thing. There's got to be like some depth to why there's some, you know, powerful struggle going on. But with that being said, what about that role that you tend to choose being a light bringer or a Lord of Darkness or even the Renegade? You know, what about that can change? Does it ever change for you? Do you ever see yourself changing from one role to another in a game and if you do how come i mean for me and there's been a few games that i've um definitely kind of veered off of that you know extreme in terms of the good side i mean i've played villain characters in like you know old republic i've kind of done more gray area type of characters in city of heroes so i mean i just i do like switching it up uh, as well. I mean, I think one of the most fun games for me wasn't an MMO in terms of being able to choose kind of one way or the other. And that was, you know, the Mass Effect series or most of it, where it was nice to be able to at one point just get really annoyed with a character that you're interacting with and choose a route that basically you know, makes you punch them in the throat or something <laughs> similar, right? Yeah. Um, so it is it is fun to do that, to skirt that line as well. Um, and I think for me, it's like in an MMO setting, I try to first kind of bond with whoever I'm in a guild with and a group with, try to help them out, try to treat others with respect. But in the face of, you know, having a perceived villain, I want to be able to kind of, you know, stick to my ideals and go after those villains. And in, in the same way, the Lord of Salt may want to snap his fingers and turn everybody into salt. I would want to nuke them from <laughs> orbit if they're going to threaten the world. Right. So, I mean, I think there, there, there is, you know, there is, don't mistake my uh, ideals for weakness. Kindness for weakness. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Kindness for weakness. Hmm. Um, well, for me, I how do I say this? I always pick the role of the guy that does the stuff nobody wants to do for the greater good. Mm. I'm most of the, the the guy that deals with situations that nobody wants to deal with or nobody wants, nobody can deal with. Um, I I try to stay behind the curtain mm. always did or oh, even 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 in every every game i ever played every every mmo rpg every mmo every possible multiplayer game i always try to not be in the spotlight interesting because because i notice that's where i operate the most efficiency 
efficient. Ah. Um, so you know, shows. you have you know your 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 top players, whatever, and everybody knows them. You know, <laughs> I was never that guy. Not because I'm bad or anything. It's just like I never l- try to be you know in the limelight. That just doesn't fit me. Doesn't fit my playstyle. Doesn't fit my characters. Um, I'm you know you have the you have the group picture of everybody, and then. Far up in the right corner, you have me standing there by myself. Mm-hmm. You Knowing, got I know, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what's going on. I know I know everything. I'm more of the, the puppet master. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was funny because as you said, up there in the top right, I was like, what do you what 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 strings are you pulling from up there? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And yeah, it, puppet master. Yeah. And also kind of like operating from the shadows, like behind the scenes, no one really sees. See, that's pretty cool, though. I, I dig it, man. And, and if I'm going to be really honest, like I've got the light bringer right, but there's days I like to get freaking dirty. There's days I like to go and get on an alt that's just a bad boy, man. Like I'm not talking behind in the shadows kind of thing or like maybe making. Nah, he's all about the bad choices. Like I got my day when I'll get on a rogue that's just mean and dirty. He'll sap you repeatedly just to and just watch you sit there wondering where he's at until until the you know diminishing turns catch up and he can't stun you anymore and they just blows you up and it's like i i'm not gonna lie i'm that guy sometimes not all the time but only you know only on tuesdays or something but the rest of the time but that's that's kind of an example of when i i kind of deviate from my role but my main is definitely always like you know the the light bringer the the truth and justice sort of sort of mentality and everything um so that's how my role changes uh with that being said and i we've kind of touched on that a little bit but how does that role that you choose tend to cause you to act in game maybe um you know making choices in stories um how you choose to contribute to and this is kind of a a bigger question is like, what would that look like when it comes to ashes and contributing to, let's say a node or uh, your own community, if you're part of one. I mean, I think definitely it'll motivate me to identify as quickly as I can with kind of who I feel I should align myself with, obviously outside of guild, right. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. where the guild chooses to make its home, that's, essentially going to be my home and Mm -hmm. where I want to lay my roots down. So, you know, definitely I would like to as much as I can contribute to growing that home. Um, I think that'll just motivate me to have that sense of identity and protect it uh, as well. And I might also, you know, be the one that will call others to arms when we do have a threat, whether that be an NPC threat or a PC threat, somebody on the map, that is, you know, got a bounty on their head because they, you know, went essentially ganked a few people and made those bad choices. I obviously need to, you know, persuade them to follow the light once again. Um, (laughs) So I think that's, that's kind of where I would be in terms of ashes of creation. I think that's what's compelling to me about ashes of creation is those types of choices matter. Um, Your choice of node, your, you know, choice of, you know, profession in some form or another, whether that be, you know, focused on adventuring, focused on crafting, all those in some way contribute to the greater good. So I think that to me is kind of how that light and dark would engage, whether you're going to be the guy that's building things up or the guy that's tearing things down or the guy behind the scenes that's trying to see how I can manipulate people to do what I really want to have happen and ultimately gain from that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, for me, it depends who I play with. Um, I'm a pretty simple guy. You know, I, I do what I feel like. I don't really have, at least for Ashes, I'm not going to have any goals like being max level within a day or something i'm actually gonna enjoy myself but um, depending on um, who i play with and what are the goals of the node that i am living in i I base my play style and my goals around that for example if they if they um say okay we gotta level the node quick then i'm gonna see okay what is the fastest amount fastest way to get the most xp into my node 
um if the if the people i play with decide okay we need to mess with that one node because that node is in the same zone of influence if they level faster than us then you know um we're gonna have a problem if that's the case i start you know doing the puppet master strings making a second account even buying a second account you know starting a second account um you know getting into that node and doing my little spy thing I'm trying to see who can I persuade to switch nodes. Um, so I try to just see what I can do for the greater good. If the greater good would ask me if, I, if it would help the greater good for me to kill a bunch of little bunnies. <laughs> I would do that. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, because, you know, like I said, somebody needs to be the necessary evil to help the greater good. Bunny killer! Because here is the best here. Here, here is the best way I can ex I can describe, and this goes to the topics we had before to describe my play style. Um, depending who I play with, you know, everybody has one goal. You know, sometimes it's you know it's PvP related, PvE related, and the way to that um to that goal is a sunny highway along the along the coastline. But sometimes you have to drive through a dark tunnel to get there. <laughs> that's a good that's a good one. I have to I have to memorize that one. That's a good one. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so if you see a dark tunnel in ashes, dark. avoid it. Um so yeah, you know, I think uh you know I'm actually trying to think about this and I, I'm not really too sure I can tell you from my past experience, I definitely, uh, I am definitely always trying to influence change that tends to benefit, I guess, the server overall in some way, shape, or form. Um, whether it's, it's uh, some sort of community-related thing, I mean, it could be the guy that you know in Ashes that you know is is always looking for people who need help you know, guarding their caravans or something, or it could be, uh, you know, hearing that there's someone ganking somewhere and going to try and, you know, help that person out. And I, it, I definitely am always trying to be helpful. I, I think that I'm also, I would definitely say that I take on like an, a, a pretty tried and true adventurer role. Um, so it, it, and I guess I was, you know, I'm kind of coming to the realization that I didn't really realize this. And I think it's something that evolved over time, but I didn't ever realize how much I actually could get into the whole RB, RP thing. I'm not a die hard RP person that gets into like the full blown, you know, I am this person and I don't deviate away from it or anything. But I definitely get into RP in the sense that I enjoy a theme and, and enjoy kind of having that character about myself in game. That I get to be, and so I definitely adhere to that character, um, and that character does embody kind of justice and helpfulness and ethics and things like that. And so, you know, that character also likes to go on great adventures. And so, it definitely an MMORPG, whether it's guiding someone, you know, to find the points to get the explorer achievement or if it's going on a quest for this mighty item, whether, you know, where be it, that's like a dungeon or um, a raid, or it could be some treacherous pass that it takes a party of uh, getting through like sort of like a jump puzzle thing that there's no guide on and stuff like that. Like yeah. anything that allows me to kind of really immerse myself in game and the elements in game. I definitely, I definitely, do get into that i think when when i'm when i'm in that role that role is definitely in those areas in that capacity um but with that being said i know we've talked about the light versus dark thing you know i think about like oraman from persian mythology the darkness that's you know, always trying to consume all and in ashes we and you both were here when we had a pretty damn good conversation about uh the you know, the gods and stuff, uh, Pantheon. We had talked about the Pantheon of the gods, and we had talked about um, how corruption sort of came to be, at least from what we knew. And so, you know, I hear the idea of corruption, and to me, that's a very compelling 
Um, it's, and I especially like, and I got to, all right, pause button. I got to go back. I also recognize when BCG was talking about his role earlier. He also sounds a little bit like Illidan, doesn't he, from World of Warcraft? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take this as an insult because Illidan started <laughs> out, out as an elf, and everybody knows my issue with elves. So I take this as an insult. Hey, <laughs> take the elf out of the equation. No, I take the, the Thanos role. thing. I take the freaking Thanos. Yeah, Thanos is it too, because he's all about like this is a problem and the way to solve the problem, it's very cut and dry. You do this, this is the result for you know, it's a numbers equation sort of thing. Um, but anyway, taking unpausing. Yeah, yeah un- unpausing though, and because I didn't want to let that one slip because I was thinking that. So the idea of corruption and the pantheon and everything, uh, you know, something about that is it's like I'm I'm thinking about the Illidan scenario and where he takes he almost takes on the attributes of what he wishes to conquer and i'm 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 really wondering and this is where i'm so thirsty for the lore hungry for the lore whatever you want to call it i want i'm so curious about some of these heroes that exist in the lore itself and do we have characters like that because I found a character of like Illidan and the fact that he was willing to take on this like burden and this, uh, you know, almost sentence to to combat the darkness and everything. And in Avera, it's going to be corruption, right? What's that going to look like? You know, who are the light bringers going to be? Who are the corrupted dark lords going to be outside of, you know, these archetypes of being a renegade or, a, you know, a, a paladin or you know scoundrel stuff like that um what about light and and dark and the the that struggle between the two and in ashes even talking about corruption and and those of us that combat against that uh what about that makes a game fun and what are we hoping it's going to make it fun about ashes i, I mean, think i'll go ahead bcg um, I think it's neither. I think it's not. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not good or evil. Um, I think it's 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 the twists and turns. I mean, you know, everybody everybody knew Illidan. Everybody knew, you know, Illidan from the Warcraft games. Um, but not a lot of people knew why and how. And back then, during Burning Crusade, nobody would have thought that Illidan is going to be the hero of the entire story. He's going right. to be the guy who stays behind to, to fight off Sagaris. Um, so, with having a diverse cast of characters in Ashes, I think we will have some that are just like, um, you know, the paladins. They're like, oh, yeah, the light, the light is all we need. The light will suffice. <laughs> And then on the other side, because, you know, um, there is probably some knowledge about what caused the, 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 the corruption, you know, what's, what's the source of all that. And we know it was um, a conflict that made us um, leave Vera behind, that some of that knowledge, you know, um, has been passed on. And, you know, you're going to have warlock-like characters. I mean... Um, the warlocks, maybe, you know, they started as, you know, something bad. Um, but, you know, at the end, you know, there are some of the strongest characters represented in World of Warcraft. Um, just as an example. So I think um, it's going to be a mix between both. And it's just going to be like, you know, the the, <gasps> the Game of Thrones shock moment that's going to make <laughs> it really, really enjoyable. At least for me. But if you see, I gotta complain. I gotta trust me. I gotta complain to Stephen a lot if I can see a story from miles ahead. Predict it. Oh, Mm -hmm. oh yes. Oh yo, I did not think. No, yes, I I saw that coming three expansions ago. So yeah, that's what. And that's where good and bad characters um are really important. Um. You know, to have, for, for example, the current World of Warcraft expansion, Battle for Azeroth. Um, you know, nobody would have thought that Sylvanas is going to go freaking mental. Okay, she didn't go mental. Actually, she's, it's pretty smart what she does if you watch some of the analytic videos on why she's attacking certain places and letting other places be taken. 
Um, so that sort of character death is what makes um, a story good, no matter if it's good or evil. It's on the eye of the beholder. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that line of thinking. I think one thing that gives me hope that, you know, Stephen has been talking a lot about, at least earlier on, in terms of the lore, in terms of the, you know, how players can potentially choose in-game, is he, he kind of talked about the idea of, you know, more gray choices or choices where somebody could ally themselves with others and then there's an element of betrayal. So I think that in and of itself is going to make the game fun because you do have some dependency on other players to do accomplish anything. And that player still has the choice to say, okay, do I burn a bridge today or do I wait until there's a better time to do so? So I think, you know, that if they can do something like that in the lore and to BCG's point, we don't necessarily see it from, you know, miles out. I think that'll be great. I mean, I always like the idea of evolution of characters in a story. So either they go from maybe being inherently evil to finding redemption or vice versa. They live long enough as a hero that they end up becoming the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. You know? yeah. and, and I think you made a good point earlier on this um, as well, BCG, is that at some point you have to do evil to support the greater good. You've seen things like that in the Warcraft lore, like Arthas, you know, purging Stratholm yeah. in order to stop this, yeah. uh, you know, the plague, the scourge, mm-hmm. picking up a sword of ultimate power that ended up correcting him. Um, you know, the same thing with Sylvanas. She thinks it, they're better off just burning Tedrasil to the ground in order to stop the Alliance from taking over the Horde. So you've got all these different ways in which characters maybe go against their nature or just go full on into their nature i kind of want to see that in the game a lot not only from the player characters which thankfully you know with you know humans being human beings there's going to be that level of un, you know unpredictability but i'd like to also see that happen um in the lore too in the choices the server makes or players make that in one server, a character might remain good, or in another server, they might realize something the player has done has ruined, you know, everything, and then they become the villain, the raid boss, you know. So there's, there's definitely, to me, that would make the game fun and interesting. That one, the idea that the team brought up very early on is one server story is you know, has the potential to be inherently different on another server. Mm-hmm. What what I would like to see, what I would like to see when it comes to, you know, um, our choices and main characters is, for example, you know, you always have, for example, that that shining knight, you know, that, that, that front guy who's like, oh, yes, I am the knight, I am the most worthy, I am the holy paladin, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, it's fine to have a character like that. You know, it's, it's it's good for the story. But then I would like to have, you know, some some backbone in that story. For example, you know, mm-hmm. um, he is so obsessed with um, his duty as, for being a paladin because one night when he was younger, um, he went drinking with his buddies and he didn't do his duty, which was standing guard. And I don't know mother and kid got raped or something and then they got burned alive you know have some twist in that or for example have um a necromancer or or a villain and be similar to arthur's you know have some you know they started out good and then when it comes and then they became evil but you know you can you can relate you can relate to the character Mm -hmm. and then have us the players give us the option to you know ex either you know learn about their past you know um like hey this is what happened to this character or or learn more about their motivation you know learn more what 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 really drives them what are their plans you know have give us option to explore characters and not be like yeah this is sir mcdougall 
he has a mustache and a sword and a shield and he goes and fights bad stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, make it a lot like um, Star Wars Online. Um, Star Wars, was it Star Wars Online? Yeah, um, Star Wars the, Star Wars. Old, the Old Republic. Yeah, give us that level of, you know, choice when it comes to talking to characters. You know, not, I know a lot of people don't want that. But, you know, we're not going to have as many main characters in the game as some others. But I think the ones that we have, they need to have some real death and some real good writing behind them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would rather have a small number of NPCs we interact with, at least at a broader level, yeah. and have them have a lot more layers. And then as the game evolves over over time, we learn more than having so many things that everything is more like a cardboard cutout. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I kind of look at it as like the trivial elements, like just the random NPC that like I here's my thing is like everybody knows the story about the kid who, you know, some warlord came and attacked his town and burned it all down. And then he grew up and then he had to go and fight that warlord that it's it's been done over and over and over, Uh, you know, and I I agree with what BCG is saying, because it's important that if there, if you have this character who's like fiercely dedicated to a cause, sometimes almost blindly, because of this, you know, traumatic event in the past or something really horrible that happened or you know anything like you know that happened, like parents were murdered or um, just something that really impacted them, it, it allowed the story to the lore to be rich. And I would also agree with like having sometimes less is more. If you have a handful of really powerful, compelling stories that can potentially branch in different directions versus an oversaturation of just the typical crap that we see over and over and over and over and over. Um, I, I know that they had mentioned too, that they're not going to have like voice actors, right. For, or at least like that, that's no, yeah, that's, that's too bad. I, I think that that would probably be a great thing in the game. Um, but at the same time, I could see that they could also come back at some point and go, we can maybe do this later if, if it goes better or whatever. And then gives people another reason to go back and do things again. I don't know. I just, I don't want it to be just, you know, just typical cookie cutter light versus dark sort of storyboard that you've seen so many times over, I think. Uh, the fact that they have multiple servers that could potentially have these different realities of the same characters and planets and planet planets, you know, realms, whatever you want to call it. Um, Cause we already got two plants. We know Vera and Sanctus, right? So we've got, yeah. we got multiple plants already. We've got, you know, the theme of a darkness or encroaching doom and those that are trying to survive and, I think, you know, having these iconic characters that whose stories are very different and intriguing and compelling can do a lot for just this gaming studio and its potential franchise as a, as a whole. So I'm really hoping that that's something that they really take the time to invest in. I'm very hopeful that it is. If they do it right, it has the potential to, to be something great and, and I think great for a long time. And I personally would like that to happen because I, with Ashes, this is like I'm dug in. I want this to be successful. I want a story that I can be immersed in, that I'm passionate about a lot like. And honestly, I don't play World of Warcraft now. I'm done, kind of done. But the Warcraft universe is freaking awesome. It has some great story to it. Um, and I would like to see a universe that rich, yet not... As, like so similar as we we continue to see out there um so what are some some ways that could be done differently in ashes i know we've talked about this a little bit but um what would be some ways to brainstorm ideas that this could be different to you all um i mean me personally i think one of the things that i i would say dislike about the world of warcraft type is that reputation with a faction is literally just a grind so you can get stuff yeah um i would like that to be a lot more in ashes whether that be a social organization whether that be something related to religion and the pantheon 
I mean, I yes, there should be incentives to kind of work those quest lines, but I think I would want choices, you know, to choose, you know, one social organization or one deity over another to matter in terms of the game. And not just from a min-max standpoint, but even from a lore standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, you might have different sets of quest lines. You might have different quest breadcrumbs you can find. Um, you know, you might have events that happen because you've chosen to go down a certain path. So I think anything that they can do to build on their idea of, you know, choices branch out and things that are happening on the server impact what's available. I would want that to be something that we could really see expand um, and, and have a lot of, again, layers, levels, where my experience personally um, might be vastly different from somebody that made the same choices in terms of race, and class, and whatnot. I mean, if, if I've made a different choice in terms of God versus you know, social organization, I want there to be something visible. And again, I, by visible, I mean tangible for me to really um, know about potentially about the story. Or I might uncover something about the lore, being a member of the Thieves Guild versus being a member of the you know Order of Mages or what mm -hmm. have you. Um, what I like to see, because you know, the way I imagine it, it will work is that. Um, you know, we go through the portal and everybody runs off to the node and the main characters, you know, um, they, they, um, they just sit at the portal, you know, we go to them when we need something and, you know, that's how the story is driven. I would like there to be a certain set amount of metrics or um, criteria that makes the main NPCs move to certain nodes. Ooh. It's, you know, for, for, you know, have, for example, um, you know, we go through the portal and the, 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 the main characters, they stay at that portal um, till, till, you know, the first military node is at level four and then for the next month you're going to find those characters at that military note and that's how you know and they're there because they have to prepare for i don't know a quest or something you know that's how you drive the story because then you know you also have a reason okay um not everybody can get through that note because that note is in conflict with another note so that note is now locked out of that story content that's you know reason for conflict mm -hmm. that goes with the whole intrepid thing and then further down the line you know the 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 main story npcs they they split up for example you know the the knights they stay at the military now because that's what they're most familiar with you know then you can start taking quests that are more story driven from the knight at the military node you're going to find the warlock at um a scientific note because there was a quest you took from him that um, allowed him to to you know craft something a warlock portal or something um you know have the um players and you know also be the have the players have some in give them some influence or impact on you know how and where you know story quests can be taken and how you know the the characters feel instead of them just being you know for example um Oh, it's, it's the 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 city the the city um, leader NPCs in World of Warcraft. They're always the same. They never move. They're always they always stand at the same spot. Mm -hmm. And have there be some influence. You know, for example, if if there isn't a node within a metro metropolis and, and within the first um, two or three months you know you have some of the npcs all of a sudden they move back to the portal and then you have a quest line or a quest text that says yeah we're starting to have doubts about us coming back to vera mm -hmm. because as soon as we got here there's only conflict and we don't you know have stuff like that have stuff like that that you know um it maybe even locks people out of story content 
maybe you know don't give them story because they're acting like a bunch of freaking idiots <laughs> you know if, if if they learn of hey we need to have one metropolis somewhere so we can further on the quest line you know let's work together you know risk and conflict because then you're gonna have those idiots who be like oh yeah man we're gonna mess up your day we're gonna not let you have a metropolis mm-hmm. um so i i see quest story quest lines and, and story quests um also be a good reason for for conflict if it's done right which i highly doubt it will because nobody ever has done it that way i i like that idea i like the idea too that if there is just conflict there's no progress that there is some sort of element based on that lack of choice, I guess, Mm -hmm. in terms of progressing the node, that you have something potentially, right, that could rise up and, you know, try to take the world over. And those world events, again, potentially might help drive people to band together. But if they don't, and that takes over, it just gets, eats more and more of the world. And then it, you know, at some point, right, it may cause another event happen, right? So, I mean, I, I like that idea, and I'm, I'm hoping, BCG, against kind of what you're saying there, I'm hoping that there is some, this is something the team is thinking about in terms of how they layer it, what levers there are, what, you know, um, metrics there are in place for NPCs, because I really like the idea of all of that being dynamic. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that's going to make this interesting and engaging and make people want to play and want to potentially, you know, move the storyline forward. Or if they don't, there's still a consequence for that choice. And maybe the idea of every action, even the actions we think are good, might have an unforeseen consequence or something we didn't really think, you know, would happen but does. Or, again, we talked about it before, we want plot twists. So what Mm -hmm. else could happen? If Intrepid steals this idea, I want at least one credit for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You know what? I, I think that uh, I, I totally agree. I can't stand when it's just like, I feel like the world gets stagnant whenever yeah. they're, they're just in the same spot for freaking five years or more. It's yeah. Have them have, I like the idea of, well, meaningful conflict or even meaningful change. Like, you know, you've got these guys that are over here trying to really just ruin the way the game is designed and so that it causes this catalyst for change, in which case these NPCs go and now they are, you know, eliciting that change in the environment or even hindering some of the gains of others because of the choices they're making in that regard, I think would be pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, but again, yeah, that would be definitely difficult to implement. I mean, to just to really it would, take it that be and do hard it. to implement. It wouldn't be hard to implement as a hard meaning a lot of, you know, coding and a lot of special yeah. things it's just a lot of script writing a lot a lot of script writing yeah and yeah i think that's the that's the main thing that i'm talking about too that's the difficulty there's a there's definitely a hurdle to it uh it can be done i think it's more of a matter of it can comes down to is that could be something that's important to them um if it is they'll take the time to do it and they'll ensure that that's something that is there to ensure the ever-changing way of the the world because that's really the the core component of the node system is that it's to help reflect the ever-changing world we live in in the here and now and in a lot of games you don't have an ever-changing world you would just have a the only change in the world is the one that they come out with in patches and the thing about this game that's you know supposed to be so different is that in this world it is always ever-changing anyway and so, yeah, yeah, I think if they put as much time and I think they will put as much time and effort as they're putting into, say, the character art and the pipelines they're putting into place. And I remember Jeff mentioning something about, you know, he's trying to work out the strategy around how the questing would work in his vision. Right. So assuming they kind of build that from the ground up, they have this type of thing meaningful conflict, choice and consequence, risk and reward built into their DNA in their pipeline from the start. I think with that in place, it's easier. I'm not going to say it's easy, but I think it'll be easier for them to, with all those dials and knobs, do something like this. I still think it's ambitious. I Mm -hmm. still think it's a risk, but 
I think if they can focus on building those pipelines now, maybe it's a, you know, some sort of gating mechanic. And I don't mean gating in a bad way, but just, again, it gives them time to flesh things out over those first few years that are pretty formidable in terms of, you know, the, the life of the game. I think they can really hit the mark again, but it all comes back to, is it something that they're planning for and building in the foundation of the game first? If they can do that, then I think it's going to be a lot easier for them to keep cranking out content because they've already got those dials and knobs in place to be able to support that. It's not something they can go in and patch in after the fact. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, we're at a, we're at time. We could definitely go on with, with this conversation for, <laughs> for a long time, I think, but that's why we continue on episodes. So, um, with that being said, it's been a fantastic discussion today, gentlemen. Uh, it's been very, it's been great food for thought. Actually. I, I love these conversations that we have here because we always keep the, we keep the wheels, the, the cogs and the wheels, I think greased well and, we keep the momentum moving along and uh, you know, my props to both of you and to all the other content creators out there who have kept the, that forward momentum going uh, for over, you know, the past year or so while we've been in development and waiting for this game to get to a point where it's finally starting to get now. Um, also hats off to the studio for their hard work and, and really listening. Oh, and, hell yeah. yeah. And staying kind of in touch with everybody. Um, gentlemen, uh, would you like to let everybody know your domains and where you reign and where they can find you? Sure. You can uh, find Daedalus at ashenherald.com, uh, on Twitter at, at the Ashen Herald, or on YouTube, the Ashen Herald. Oh, my turn. Um, uh, <laughs> um, I have a YouTube side thing where I do some Ashes related content when I have time. Um, sadly, I'm one of those normies who travels way too much. Um, you can find that under the Big Cheek Giant, which actually is what BCG stands for. Um, and also, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch with at BCGiant, where I plan on streaming mostly um, Ash's content as soon as Steven lets me in the freaking Alpha 1. And, you know, you know, I, I got to say... Um, I was talking about this every time I hear, I got to start just calling you the big, big cheek giant because I think if I don't, I'm going to continue to like have these flashbacks of what BCG meant to me in the army. And it was birth control glasses <laughs> and they're these big brown framed glasses and yeah, obviously was, yeah. birth control. Cause you're not getting laid wearing those homies. Um, anyway, anyway, I'm going to have to start saying the big cheek giant. So the big G yeah. cheek giant and Daedalus, the Ashen Herald's uh, links will be in the description below. Uh, I am now starting to premiere the Simcast episodes on Twitch. Uh, it's just, that's my domain. That's where I reign. Uh, they'll be on YouTube 24 hours later because there is the affiliate agreement with Twitch as far as the 24-hour rule. So you'll fi start finding the Simcast now Sunday nights, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time on Twitch. And then the next day around 8 or 9 p.m. Central Standard Time on YouTube when they go out. 24 hours later, um, all my my stuff and things are in the description below as well. And I am Seymour. I've been your host. Until next week, I will catch you on stream. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Later.